We're going to continue in our message today uh, in Colossians. So if you got a Bible, you can turn to Colossians. We're going to be in chapter 4. And I, I apologize for fidgeting with this microphone, but it's just not want to work with me. Masks and microphones don't work. I think it's all bit. It's like laying all that kind of good stuff. But uh, have you ever gone without power? No, you haven't? I want to live. Who ever said that? I want to live with this. They never had the power. This past week, uh, we were out. You know, everybody's working from home, that type of thing. I was out running some errands, doing some different things. Came home, and the power was out in the middle of the afternoon. Beautiful, sunny day. Well, Sherry tells me, the kids tell me, that evidently down the road from us, there was a truck that overturned and knocked out power lines. And the first response they said was, this was about maybe 1 o'clock or so, right after lunch. And they said, power's going to be out till 5 o'clock. And we were like, all right, okay, okay, we can do this. A little bit later on, they, the power company sent another message and said, it's going to be 10 o'clock before the power comes on. Now, thankfully, it wasn't the day that it was like super frigid, you know, 30 degrees like it was a, you know, one day this week. But it was a little bit warmer. But the funny thing was is that all of us took turns doing really goofy things that it just shows how spoiled we are. You know, I myself went into the pantry because the power was out. Even though I had plenty of work to do, I just wanted to eat, right? That just made sense. You want to eat because you, you got to store up body fat in case the power's out for weeks. You know, so you got to, like, store up like a bear for winter. And so I started going to the pantry a lot. And guess what I did? Every time I went to the pantry, you know what I did? Flip the light switch. What in the world? <laughs> you know? I forget the power's out. Light switches don't normally work when there is no power. And uh, Josiah, he did the same thing. He did it a couple times. And, uh, you know, we were all doing that. Uh, Andrew was having the hardest time, man, my three-year-old, he was the hardest time understanding why the Christmas tree, and don't judge, we have a Christmas tree up already, all right? This is 2020, and we're going to put our tree up if we want, okay? <laughs> but he was having the hardest time understanding why the Christmas tree was not on. He was like, he was standing there, you know, looking at it, and I was like, I know, man, I know. Um, and then one time I looked over, and I hate to throw Josiah out of the bus. But um, I looked over, and he had gotten this little phone. It's an old phone that we don't have connected anymore that he just has plays games on. And he took it and plugged up the power the, uh, charging cord and plugged the other end of the wall. And I said, hey, Josiah, you know there's no power, right? <laughs> He's like, oh, gosh. But here's the thing. We can all relate to that, right? You know, you're looking for power, you wish you had power, and you realize just how bad it is when you don't have it, you know, you want that power, you need that electricity because our lives revolve around electricity. And if you're being really, truly honest and open, our lives really revolve a lot around power. Um, sometimes when you're watching, you know, especially superhero movies, the villains, many times their main plot is something that at first I'm like, what's kind of dumb? But all it is is they want to have power. People want power because they like what it means. They like having power over people. They like the so-called respect or fear that they get when they're in a position of power. But many times, you and I, as we go through our daily lives, if we're being real, if we're being honest, we feel kind of powerless sometimes, don't we? Not to beat a dead horse, but 2020 keeps showing up every day. It's still 2020, and sometimes it feels like it's been three years in 2020. But have you ever had as many times when you felt sort of powerless as you had in 2020? I mean, you look around at our world and it seems like so many people are full of hate and anger towards each other. And you wish you could do something to stop it, but you kind of feel, what? Powerless. 
You know, you, you look and, you know, you want to have Thanksgiving the way that you always have every other time, but you sort of feel powerless. You look at life and you wish you could do something to stop this virus and stop people from getting sick and having to be divided and, and quarantined in their homes, but then what do you feel? Powerless. We don't really have answers and options, and we feel powerless. And just how about this simple little thing, making plans. It's hard to make plans nowadays, right? Because you just don't have any control. You feel powerless, even over your calendar, because so many things change at any given moment. But then there's another problem. Even outside of 2020, we struggle with feeling powerless at times, depending on what situation you're dealing with in your life. But then there's another level of power that we have to think about. Many times when we get some power in our lives, we use it and point it in the wrong areas, the wrong direction. We don't use our power in the correct way, and we exercise our power in the wrong things. We focus on simply being successful or powerful in the wrong areas of life, and that leaves us powerless in things that really matter. You know, if you spend all your time and your energy working, 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 and you neglect your family, when it's time to spend time with your family, sometimes they're not there. They might be there in body, but they're not there in spirit and in heart because you've kind of shown them that what's most important to you is earning money. And while, yes, money is needed, we have to have money, we need to be successful, we need to work hard, that type of thing. That's not the most important thing in our lives. And so we find ourselves powerless when it comes to our relationships. We struggle. And what really matters, we walk around feeling empty, unfulfilled, feeling weak, and yes, even powerless. We use our power in the wrong places and we seek to find our source in the wrong areas, in the wrong places. So to find our power, we first have to figure out on what area we need to be focusing our efforts. So what would Jesus say is the area we need to focus on having the power in the right place? I believe a good way to look at that is some of his very last words that he said before leaving earth, ascending up into heaven. Matthew chapter 28 verses 18 through 20 say this. Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus' last words before he ascended, he goes back up into heaven, after he had gone to the cross, after he was died and was buried, and after he rose from the grave, the last thing he told his followers was he said, Go, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then teach them to obey everything. His most important command, his most important thing, he says, This is it. Hey, if you want to know what I want you to focus on while I'm gone, this is it. Go and make people followers of me. Teach them what it means to follow me, to surrender their lives to me, to be baptized into Jesus so they can have forgiveness and life and freedom and teach them to go and do likewise. It's sort of understood there because he said, teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. You know, my dad is a good guy. He really is. But we had this thing back when I was a kid, and it, it's not, I don't know if you guys are familiar with this, but it's this word, it starts with a D, it's... Discipline. Oh, that's, that's what it was. 
has discipline on me, and all, aka spankings, things like that from time to time. Um, I can't say too much. I don't know what the statute of limitations is on spankings, but some of that stuff is probably not legal anymore. But anyway, I'm not going to throw them up. I thought a lot of people are on the bus today. I'm just driving, backing up over people with that bus. It's good. But here's the thing. In the morning, as I got a little bit older, and I could handle a little more responsibility, my dad would sometimes tell me things. A lot of times, he was up very, very early, and I'm not much of a morning person. And so a lot of times that night before he goes to bed, he says, okay, tomorrow I want you to mow the yard. Or what is probably a task that we may have to do if we spend eternity in hell, he would sometimes say, I want you to go pick up pine cones. That's, that's probably a hell task, if we're being honest. He would say, you know, pick up pine cones or, or do this. You know, whatever the job was, he said, I want you to do this when you get home from school tomorrow, and it needs to be done when I get home. When he came home, guess what happened if I had not done said task? There was punishment, right? There was this discipline. You know, depending on what it was, you know, depending on what it was, there was some, there was some punishment I did not like. He applied the, the hand of knowledge to the seat of discipline sometimes, you know, that type of thing. And, you know, the, the point is, is he gave me a command. He gave me a task. And he expected what when he came home? It to be done. Jesus, when he ascended into heaven, gave us a task. And when he returns, what do you think? He expects it to be done. And so you and I, if we want to know where we apply our power, where we focus our energy, the area that we need to focus on is completing the task that Jesus gave us before he ascended into heaven. That's the most important thing he did. Now, all through his ministry, he taught us sort of how to do that. He talked about loving one another. He talked about they will know that you that you are my followers if you love one another. He talked about how to do it. But the ultimate task is to share the gospel, to teach people to follow him. And so that's what we need to do. Amen. And here's what Paul says in Colossians 4. So if you've got Colossians 4 open on your phone or your Bible, whatever it may be, we can look there now, starting in verse 2. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of time, of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. And so Paul addresses a few things here that I believe help us focus our power in the right places and make sure that we're focused on the right things of fulfilling God's great commission. The first idea is this that we see in that passage. The first idea is this. Stay plugged into the source. Uh, I've told some of you guys a story about uh, years ago, you know, talking about the old days, I guess, when, you know, spanking was allowed, that type of thing. And uh, they also used to do the electric chair. I guess maybe there's still maybe a couple states that still do that for you know, capital punishment for really serious offenses. And years ago, there were these guys, and they were on death row. And there were three guys that were supposed to be executed that day in the electric chair. And there was a guy from North Carolina, there was a guy from Virginia, and there was a guy from West Virginia. And um, the guy from North Carolina 
is the one who was slated to go first, and so they put him in the chair. And uh, they said, we have to tell you one thing, is that, you know, if something does not work and you survive, then you are free to go. You don't just go back to the cell, you're free to go. And they said, do you have any last words? And he said, go to our heels. And they flip the switch, and nothing happens. And so they're like, sir, you're free to go. This is, never happens, but you're free to go. So they unstrap him, and he walks out the door, and he's tickled to death, you know. Not to death. <laughs> Not to death. But that would be a bad way to go, right? Tickled. Um, and so then the guy from Virginia is up next. And so they put him in the chair, they strap him in, they say the same thing. They said, sir, if it doesn't work, you're free to go. Uh, but any last words before we flip the switch? And he said, go Wahoos, you know, UVA. And they flip the switch, nothing happens. And they're like, well, this is crazy. Two for two today, you're free to go. They strap him, he takes off. They put the guy in West Virginia in the chair, they strap him in, and they said, okay, sir, same thing. We don't think it's going to happen, but if something happens, you flip the switch and nothing happens, you're free to go. And he said, do you have any last words? He said, hey, it might work better if you plug that thing in right there. <laughs> That's bad. I don't know. I've got a lot of friends from West Virginia, so I like to pick on them and tell them. I'll probably hear about it from the text message when I get home. Um, but very easily could have been Eastern North Carolina. It could have been a bunch like that show where I'm from. But the point is the same. If you want to have power, you've got to be what? Plugged in to the source. You've got to be plugged in to the source. And here's what Paul says there in verse 2 of chapter 4. Ultimately, he says, never stop praying. Never stop praying. If you want to be plugged into the source that is God, then the, the way to be connected to that source is prayer. And it's continual prayer. Where he says, continue steadfastly in prayer. I'm reading from the English Standard Version of the Bible. Never stop praying. You see, prayer, continual prayer, has got to be a way of life. If we're going to be strong and faithful in the Lord, and we're going to accomplish what God has called us to accomplish, prayer has to be something continual in our life, and it has to be a staple of our life. Our lives really need to be a running conversation with God. You ever thought about that? Our lives really need to be a running conversation with God. For a long time, even into my adult years, I misunderstood what prayer was like. And I sort of thought that if I didn't say the formula in the exact right way, then it was probably null and void. You know, if you didn't say, you know, exactly right. Um, I used to be so upset when I would be at night, uh, laying in bed, you know, praying as I'm laying there with my head on my pillow. And, you know, I would fall asleep before I finished my prayer. You know, in the morning, you know what you do if that happens? You just wake up and say, Amen. <laughs> you know, that's, that's how you do it. I thought y'all would like that. <laughs> Sorry. Fine. Be there. But that's the thing. It's not so much about little set times. It's good to pray before meals. It's good to pray after meals. It's good to pray at all times. That's what we're called to do. Our lives should be a running conversation with God. One of the a job I had back in college was... You know, it's not the best prayer life I've ever had, but it's one of the best. I was driving around in a delivery van for a dry cleaners. And so I spent hours in a van driving around. And so what I did with that time was I prayed a lot. I did not drive with my eyes closed. I did not do that. But I, I spent my time driving around and just talking with God. And I felt so connected to the power source of my God as I was talking about anything and everything. And a lot of times we think that, that certain topics are off limits. I want to explain a little something to you. This is deep theology here. 
But God is God and you're not. God is not limited by what you keep in your brain and never say out loud. He's not even limited by what you say in your head. He knows what's on your heart, but he still wants you to offer it up to him. So don't think that there's anything that's off limits to pray about. Pray about everything because God already knows. But he wants you to learn the process of humbling and submitting yourself to him and talking to him about everything, no matter how small or how great it is. Pray about all things. Because God cares about everything, y'all. He cares about everything. He cares about you wondering if you're going to have enough money to keep the lights on. You know, he cares about little things about whether you, you get that job you're applying for. He cares about small things, big things. He cares about it all. So pray about everything because God cares about everything. His mind is not finite like your mind and my mind. I can only handle a certain amount of data, right? You guys that way? I've been so busy these past two or three weeks, I'm forgetting all sorts of little things and forgetting to do things that I meant to do because I've got too much of my brain. And so if you're counting on me, kind of like Leonard talked about, if you're counting on me, I'm going to let you down. But God knows and remembers everything. He can handle everything that you, and not just you, but everything that all of us are dealing with. So talk to God about everything and be plugged into that source. And here's why it's so important. This is going to be our next point. It's going to lead us into this. But pray about everything because everything can be a bridge for the gospel. Everything in your life can be an opportunity for the gospel. And so that's the second idea. Keep your eyes open. Keep your eyes open as you're praying and plugged into the source. Opportunities are everywhere. If you look there in verse 2 again, continue steadfastly in prayer. Be watchful in it with thanksgiving. He tells us to keep our eyes open, be watchful. The Greek word that's used there with watchful is used in many places in Scripture. And it can be used in some places in watching for the second coming. And if we understand the depth and the power and the, what's going to happen at the second coming, then we need to be watching for that, right? And so what he's saying is, in a sense, use the same fervor and passion that hopefully you're using in watching for the second coming in watching for opportunities to pray and to, to lift things up to God. But that word is also used in a very interesting place. When Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, before he's arrested, he goes to his inner circle, we like to call him, of the, the three closest disciples that he's poured a lot of time into that maybe were like leaders of the other disciples. And he says, keep watch with me and pray. The same word that Jesus used there to keep watch, stay up and pray with me, is used here by Paul when he says to be watching in prayer. Be diligent in it. To be steadfast in prayer. Keep watching. And so Jesus was so heartbroken when he came back and he found that the disciples were not watching. Right? They'd fallen asleep. And so you and I need to take that same passion and stay awake in prayer. Stay alert in prayer. Watch in prayer as, as if your life depended on it. Because guess what? It does. Watch in prayer. Stay alert. Stay focused and steadfast in prayer as if your life depends on it because it absolutely does. Your physical life oftentimes will be dependent upon your prayer life, but very certainly every time your spiritual life is dependent upon your prayer time. So watch openly and honestly looking for opportunities to pray. Watch for answers to prayer. 
and watch for opportunities to pray and share. Because here's the thing. Many times we'll walk around, we'll stumble around in our life and we won't be focused on the right things. And we'll, we'll be looking around and we're like, God, you know, I'm looking, I'm asking you to help me. And he's like, you know, maybe this is, this is I'm filling in what God's probably saying here. I believe he's saying, open up your eyes, dummy. <laughs> I, at least to me, at least to me, he's saying that. He's like, open up your eyes, dummy. I, I gave you opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. You know, um, you may have heard years ago about uh, this guy who his area was flooding. A hurricane had come in. And his area was flooding. And so he's sitting there and, and the water's rising up around his property. And it's getting closer to his porch. And he's just sitting there on his porch in his rocking chair. And they come along and they, they've got a truck that's raised up off the ground. And he says, sir, you need to get in the truck. We're, we're evacuating everybody. And he said, God's going to take care of me. God's going to take care of me. And so they leave on, they go try to rescue somebody else. The water rises a little bit more, and they come along in a boat, and they're up by his porch, and the water's cresting over the top of his porch. And they said, sir, you got to get in the boat. We're evacuating everybody. It's going to get bad here. And he said, God's going to take care of me. And then a little bit later, the waters continue to rise, and the boat comes back around again, and the guy is on top of his chimney. The water's that high. He's on top of his chimney. and said, sir, you got to get in the boat. we got to get out right now. And he said, God's going to take care of me. Well, unfortunately, the water continued to rise, and the guy dies, and he gets to heaven, and he sees God, and he's like, God, I love you, and I'm so glad to be here, but I, I, I just knew you were going to take care of me, and God said, I sent you a truck and two boats, what else you want, <laughs> you know? That's not your story, just so just, you know, we all are a little bit concerned about it. But I, I've got a lot of bad preacher jokes today, I don't want to tell a lot of preacher jokes, but this, this is the day for us, so y'all buckle up, be thankful, okay? But here's the thing. We don't look for the opportunities and the answers to prayer. We don't keep our eyes open and know what God is doing and how he's working because we're not looking. And that takes us to the next idea. Give thanks. Give thanks. So stay plugged into the source. Keep your eyes open and then give thanks. There in verse 2 it says, with thanksgiving, be watchful in prayer. Always, steadfastly, continuing in prayer. How often do you beg God to intervene, to act, to answer your prayer? And then when he does, do you forget to go and thank him? Have you ever been guilty of that? I know I have. We just get so caught up. Maybe we're grateful, but we need to tell him. We need to show him. We need to live it in our lives. Give thanks when God answers prayers, even if he answers it in a way that you don't agree with. Because, I, you know, I, I tell this all the time is that I have so much of a better understanding of God's patience and kindness towards me as I become a parent. Because to a T, every single one of my kids, when they're around two or three years old, they want to play in the street, you know. And I'm like, come on, man, you cannot play in the street. And they're like, it's nice and smooth, it's paved, I want to ride my little truck, I want my cars to, to ride on that big road, that's where I see the big trucks go, so I want my truck to be on that road, and you got to tell them, you got to grab them and snatch them back, and they get so indignant, they're like, you know, they get so mad, but he still does that, he's 17, <laughs> yeah. he's like, I want to play in the street, but they get so angry, because they don't have the perspective that you as a parent have, right? And how much do we then turn around and do that same thing to God? 
We pray and we want something, but God doesn't give it to us because he's protecting us from it. And we get so angry <laughs> at God. But he is God and we are not. And his answers are perfect. His timing is perfect. And maybe he's sparing you from the thing that you think you want but you don't need. And it's going to hurt you. So give thanks in all circumstances. Develop an attitude of gratitude. An attitude of gratitude. I need to learn that and I'm learning it day in and day out a little bit more. And many times I'm dragged kicking and screaming into this attitude of gratitude. But if you look at every situation, even the dire ones, even the dark ones, even the frustrating ones, God is still working for good for those that love him and are called according to his purpose. He is doing good even in the circumstances that are trials, even in the circumstances that are uncomfortable. So in all things, all, everybody say all. all, in all things, in all circumstances, give thanks to God because he is working in all of them. And here's the next idea. Keep your focus in the right area. Keep your focus in the right area. Because when the trials come and you're tempted to look for power and exercise your power in a wrong area, you've got to remember to keep your focus in the right area. And so what does Paul say there in verse 3? At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ. To pray for open doors for the gospel. Pray for the gospel. If you're being honest, and you kind of took stock of your prayer life, and you had to put a percentage on what type of topics you pray about, I bet a lot of us probably fall into praying a lot more for physical things than we do for spiritual things. Am I right? At least it's a struggle. Where you spend more time praying for illnesses and sicknesses and finances and all those things. And I'm not, we've already said, pray about everything. But if we're kingdom-minded people, if we're called according to his purpose, then we need to be praying about spiritual matters too. And we need to pray that those physical answers to prayers are bridges and doors for the gospel. And it's not simply that somebody will be well and then die and go to hell, but that somebody will be well and go to heaven because they see the goodness of God in that. And so we need to be praying and have our focus in the right area. So pray for the gospel. He said to pray for open doors for the word. How often have you prayed that prayer? And even if you prayed it ten times in your life, you need to say, I need to pray that prayer ten times every day. Pray for open doors for the gospel. For people who are all across this world preaching the gospel. People who are right next door uh, looking for opportunities to share the gospel. And for your very self as you're hopefully looking for open doors for the word. And then he says another thing to pray in accordance with the gospel. He says pray that it would be shared clearly. That it would be shared clearly. Pray for the truth of the gospel to get out. Our world is clouded and crowded with so many other gospels. But the only gospel that counts is the one that God himself delivered to the apostles and the prophets. And the gospel that was lived out by Jesus Christ. And that's the gospel that needs to be prayed to be shared. And then shared and studied and shared and studied and shared and studied. Because that's why Jesus said to go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and then teach them everything. It's a continuous cycle. We never stop learning. We never stop digging. We never stop growing. Because we need to share the truth 
of the gospel that will be shared clearly as it should be there in verse 4. He says that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. So pray that it will be shared clearly. And then there's another area here. Pray that you're ready to use your power. Look at verse 5. Pray that you're ready to use your power. He says, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of your time. Let your speech always be gracious, gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. So pray that you use this power that God gives you. Because here's something we struggle with, I believe, as believers. Once we realize that we're happy on the way to heaven, we get a little fat and lazy and complacent. Spiritually, we get that way. We're like, okay, I'm going to heaven. And then if you know, we got family, we're like, well, my family's going to heaven, I am good. And we sort of get the attitude. We might not ever say it out loud. But we get the attitude of, as long as my family's good, I'm good. But that is not what Jesus told us to, to be like. That is not the attitude and the heart that Jesus told us to have. He said to go into all the world and preach the gospel, make disciples, baptizing them and teaching them to obey everything. He said to go into the world. Pray that you're ready to use your power. Don't only pray for other people as well to share the gospel. Pray for you. Say me. Pray for you to share the gospel, not just other people. Here's the thing. If you have decided to be covered in the blood of Jesus, to have the grace of God in your life, then you are being called to go and spread the gospel. You may not be called to go across the ocean and do it, but you're called to go across the backyard. You're called to go across the house and talk to your family that doesn't know Jesus. You're called to go and try to talk to people as you meet them in your daily life. You are called, if you are covered by the blood of Jesus, you are commanded to share the love of God with other people. So don't just pray for others to share the gospel. If you're saved, you have to as well. But here's the thing. Here, here's the thing. And this is what I have to be reminded of so many times. All right, go with me. Anybody fall asleep? Wake up. Here's the thing. If I understand what salvation is, if I understand that I have offended the Almighty God, the Creator of the universe, and I understand that for those that reject Him, that they choose eternity in hell, and if I understand what hell is, and then I understand at least a glimpse of what heaven is like, and even and if you don't understand anything else, if we don't know anything else, we know that we get to see Jesus face to face and spend eternity with Him, and there's no death, and there's no mourning. There's no crying. There's no pain. There's no cancer. If you understand that, then why would you tell anybody? Why don't I tell people? Because just maybe, just maybe, I don't even understand what I have if I don't tell people. So it's so important, church, for me. I'm not pointing fingers. I, I, I know I know completely that I'm pointing a finger at you that I've got these three pointing back at me. We are all in this together. We all struggle with this, but we're called to share the gospel, use the power that God has given us. Because think about it, what good is power if you don't use it? My boys love pointing out Corvettes. You know, they love pointing out these super fast cars. 
And it's funny, they always like to joke and says, why are all those guys with those Corvettes all got gray hair? I was like, they can afford the insurance. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's what it is.
If you've ever seen any of the Spider-Man movies, you may have heard a quote that's made it in the mainstream whether you like superhero movies or not. But especially in the first set of Spider-Man movies that came out quite a while ago, there's a quote that a lot of people use, and it's this. With great power comes great responsibility. With great power comes great responsibility. And church, I want to challenge me and I want to challenge you. Challenge every single person watching on Facebook. If we have the privilege of being a Christian and we've got the power of the Holy Spirit, then we've got a great responsibility. If you're thankful for your salvation, if you understand what your salvation is, then it's time to share it. So it's time to pray with thanksgiving and with power for lives to be changed. I didn't have the opportunity to know either of my grandfathers when I was growing up. They both died the year before I was born. You know, they may have heard I was coming. They're like, man, we got to get out of here. <laughs> but I never had a grandfather. And so because of that, I always appreciated spending time with older men. I had a great uncle who survived Pearl Harbor, and he was my hero. And then I got to have some grandfather-in-laws when I married Sherry. And I got to spend a few years with both of her granddads. And I love to hear their stories, and I love to see their heart, because those are two men who love God with all their hearts. Both of her grandfathers gave their lives for the gospel, that, that people would know Jesus in different ways, but one, Leland, he was a preacher. He started, uh, was one of the founders of what they called the Gogi Chapel Mission in New York City. They would literally pull this trailer behind a car or a truck down the streets of New York City. They'd stop and find an area. They would fold down the sides of this trailer, and it was like a little church. <laughs> they rolled out chairs, and they even had like a little carpet down the middle, because it was, you know, it was like the 60s, so <laughs> they thought that was important. But anyway, but what they did was so cool. And they would sit up and they'd have like a, a piano or something they'd start playing and they'd have a church where people would come and they, they'd baptize people by the hundreds and started churches all around New York and all around Long Island and all those areas there. And to, to the day that he retired, he never retired until he got to go to heaven. But to the day that he... To the day that he died... He tried to tell everybody about Jesus that he could. He liked to grow tomatoes. And so he would bag up three or four tomatoes in a brown paper bag and he'd go around to his neighbors and he would give them tomatoes and look for an opportunity to share the gospel and he pretty much did every time. He would do anything and everything that he could, simple little things to show the love of Jesus. He mentored young men and young women in the faith. He looked for every opportunity to share the gospel because he understood the salvation that he had and wanted everybody to have it. So he understood the power that changes lives. And he prayed about that power. And he prayed for opportunities to share that power in the right direction, in the right place, because he believed what Jesus said when he said, good. Maybe today, You've heard that many, many times before, but you haven't gone yet. And there are people in your life that they need to hear the gospel. They need to hear it through you. 
Or maybe you haven't come yet. And you haven't surrendered your life to the gospel. And that's the first step that you have to take. If you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, that's big stuff. If you believe that he is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and you want to turn your life away from sin, repent, you confess him as Lord in Christ, and you meet him in baptism, he washes away your sin, and he gives you his Holy Spirit. You can have the power that then will not only change your life, but the lives of all the people around you, if you'll just go and share it. So come, and then go. Because there's great power, and with that great power, there's great responsibility. Let's stand with the same as